Welcome into another edition of the Checkerboard Chat. I am Ryan Schumper, your co-sports editor at the Daily Beacon, joined as always by my other co-sports editor, Ryan Cruz. Ryan, Tennessee goes on the road. They open the season with a 31-27 win at South Carolina. What were your thoughts on the Vols 1-0 start? You know, obviously definitely start out strong there. Uh, got that early lead, but then you saw South Carolina change up some stuff on there on offense, shifting around, motion, all sorts of things. As Tua Tua was talking about, uh, you know, had a bit of that comeback, got it close, but then Tennessee was able to finally get things right, close it out, and, you know, start off the year right with, with the W. Yeah, it's, you know, that's what I said in my piece after the game, but it was a, looked a lot like Tennessee down the stretch last year. It was, Tennessee looked like the better team. They had opportunities to win handedly, win by a couple touchdowns, put South Carolina away. They didn't do that. Some of that you have to give credit to South Carolina. Some of that, you know, that's Tennessee not executing well, but certainly similar there. You know, one moment I thought in the game that was was really big, Tennessee obviously South Carolina goes right down the field on the opening drive, very easy. Tennessee has the botched snap and looked like Paxton Brooks probably could have punted that ball, didn't punt it. And then right there, South Carolina had great field position. The ball, I think, at Tennessee's 38-yard line, you're thinking they're probably going to get at least three here with a good kicker in Parker White. Alante Taylor makes a big play on first down to blow up the reverse, and the defense really did locked in. And like you said, South Carolina made some adjustments in the second half and was able to exploit that. But it was, it was a big stand for Tennessee's defense and really where they r- rallied the ship and got things moving in the right direction. Jared Garantano yeah. – 18-31, 259 yards, one touchdown, a lot of missed throws, no turnovers. What were your, kind of your thoughts on Garantano's performance? His feet seem to be dancing around a lot. I think what happened with Garantano is he, he did not do well in obvious passing situation. You know, you, you look at their third down conversion rate, they went one for 11. And that one was only because the receiver made a – outstanding, you know, one-handed catch, you know. Yeah. Most people didn't think that would happen right there. Uh, but it just did not take the blitz well. Uh, hopefully, you know, maybe contribute that to some young receivers. But, you know, we don't know whether it was him overthrowing, whether it was in the wrong place, probably a little bit of both. Uh, but hopefully they can get that corrected going into the next week. Yeah, it was, you know, Garantano talked a little bit about his mechanics, throwing off his back foot. And, you know, the way he, he talked about it, it was almost like he was expecting to get – he was throwing the ball like he was expecting to get hit, which obviously is something he's been very much used to in his time at Tennessee. But Tennessee's offensive line, you know, did a pretty good job pass protecting Saturday night. I think they gave up two sacks, and one of those was Garantano holding on to the ball too long. And, you know, looking at his performance – he wasn't great, but, you know, I don't think Tennessee fans need to expect Garantano to be great. Would Tennessee have beaten Georgia or Florida or Alabama or Auburn with that performance? Probably not. But in a game where you had so many unknowns coming in between not having guys miss so much practice time, not getting much special teams working, you just didn't know what to expect. And he, he was steady. You know, he missed throws that he should have made, but he didn't put the ball in harm's way. Besides that one play where I just noted he really didn't hold on to the ball too long. He was pretty decisive with it, which has been a struggle as his. So I thought there was, was certainly some good, but obviously some bad to go with Garantano as well. One thing that I don't think either of us had pegged to happen was DeAndre Johnson's breakout performance. 
I think his his most, you know, in a scene going into his senior season, he didn't have more than 2.5 sacks in a season. He gets 2.5 sacks in the first game and w- wins SEC defense alignment of the week honors. What do you think about Jonathan's play? I mean, it's kind of one of those typical, you know, seniors who doesn't see a lot of playing time. And finally, you know, the work just keeps on. It finally, you know, happens for him. And, it's, you know, the, it's one of those stories that you're happy to see, like, you're for it happening to anyone. You know, it's great that hard, that hard work like that is finally paying off for him. Yeah, certainly. And I think he's a guy that, you know, talked about benefited from, didn't miss any time. And, you know, I think I and probably some others had pegged Roman Harrison ahead of him, but he's a guy that's just continued to work and, and made the most of his opportunities. And, you know, he struggled on that first drive Saturday night pretty badly. A couple missed containments on his, or his fault. But after that was, was really, really effective. And, you know, I think that's a big question mark coming into the year for Tennessee without Daryl Taylor, who's going to be able to get after the passer. I thought, you know, even though Kevon Bennett just had half a sack, I thought he played pretty well on Saturday night, was consistently getting the backfield. And you couple that with what DeAndre Johnson did. I think that was one of the big positives for Tennessee on Saturday night. You know, you talked about the, you know, we briefly mentioned the special teams issues. What did you make of those? Do you think we'll see Will Albright back at long snapper this week? And then one other thing, Eric Gray was returning punts. What do you make of, of Eric Gray back returning punts? Uh, you know, obviously, you know, it'd be, it's an interesting uh, situation back there. Uh, Bayless Jones, also a great option. You know, uh, Coach Pro talked about, you know, there's some times where he, you know, uh, caught punts, you know, deep in his territory, probably should let go into the end zone. Uh, but that's just, you know, youth, uh, inexperience and kind of in the system. Um, at long snapper, uh, Pruitt did say that Albright will be back uh, uh, in in there this week. But I think, you know, he was talking – there were periods during fall camp where the entire specialist unit was out with either COVID or with contract tracing. So that was – they had a week or two period there where they didn't actually practice, practice special teams, not for lack of wanting to, but the players weren't there. Uh, so I think, you know – well, something like special teams, it's a lot of reps and consistency, uh, even more than any other position. But it's, you know, it's, it's got to become muscle memory for those guys. And so I think you definitely saw a little bit of the practice, uh, a little bit of the lack of practice there. And I think you also saw that for South Carolina. So I think it's, it's an issue, but it's an issue for everyone. Yeah, certainly. I think that was a common theme. Some special teams mistakes all weekend. And, you know, look, Tennessee got some of that stuff ironed out. I thought their punting game was pretty good, honestly, on, on Saturday night compared to what it was last year outside of that first debacle, basically. Moving on, you know, right, we're filming there, taping this on Wednesday night, right when Jeremy Pruitt in this press conference, right at the end of that. End of that, he gets asked a question about Cade Mays, and then the news breaks a couple minutes later that the SEC is making eligible Cade Mays, Otis Reese, and Joey Gatewood the three transfers that have come from interconference and Ryan what's what was kind of your take on Cade Mays finally getting eligible I think some people expected it you know if the NCAA is gonna do you might as well uh you know we're in a weird situation of a year you know the SEC statement said that their member institutions uh were not fans of eligibility but you know I think it's one of those topics that Whenever you're on the wrong side of it, oh, we're against it. But whenever you're on the right side of it, no, you know, this player should play right now. You know, he was leaving a bad situation. You know, it's always – it's kind of one of the things that's in the eye of the beholder. Uh, so – and so I think the fact that the NCAA is already given, I think it's – the rubber stamp was, I think, at least in part, maybe a hair inevitable, but 
You know, you never know. So I think yeah. it's, it's good to see that he's finally going to get cleared. Yeah, it's kind of like what we talked about last week. I think the thing was just going to be consistency. I think everyone expects that NCAA rule to pass in January to allow the one-time transfer rule. So I think there was kind of a sense of looking around between the the schools and the league and Greg Sankey and Greg Sankey talked about, we have this rule in place. Y'all need to vote it out if y'all don't want it. And I think that kind of remains unclear as there were rumors or reports, a little bit of both earlier in the week that the SEC presidents would vote on that. I'm not sure if that was made entirely clear if that's what happened or not, but certainly that's how the SEC is going to go forward. They're going to be, they're not going to stand against interconference transfers. That's not going to be their standard. And, you know, look, that's, I think there's an argument to be made either way for it, but I think you're going to get some bad, bad press and some bad publicity in this age if you're still denying transfers when the NCAA is going to open it up. And, you know, every, everyone's, you know, kind of more now than ever is, is in support of the players having as much freedom and, and flexibility. So it's good for Caden Mays. He'll have a chance to suit up and play alongside his brother and alongside Trey Smith, what he came back to Tennessee to do. And, It'll be interesting to see how Tennessee moves around that offensive line, Ryan. Where, where do you think Caden Mays will, will start at Saturday? I don't know if, if he'll start uh, this week. You know, obviously we, we haven't really heard much in terms of where he's – he was on the top two, the depth chart they put out last week. So you don't know how he's been practicing. Uh, but I think at least probably next week, I, I, I would slot him in at that right guard on, opposite from Trey Smith. Uh, but then, you know, who knows because he's played – all five positions, so it would be interesting. He should fit anywhere if necessary. Yeah, I think it it almost certainly would be the right side somewhere, whether that's right guard or right tackle. I think it's probably interesting. Almost probably will fall more on who plays better, Darnell Wright or Jerome Carvin, this weekend and how they evaluated that tape last weekend against South Carolina as to whether they feel in Cade Mays a right guard or right tackle. Because like you said, he's a Swiss Army knife offensive lineman. He can be pretty effective anywhere. I think it's going to be more on where Tennessee thinks the bigger need is for him at right guard or right tackle. Should be interesting to watch as Tennessee will kick off against Missouri at noon Eastern time Saturday on SEC Network. Ryan, Missouri loses their opener to Alabama. It's hard to take too many conclusions from a team of Missouri's skill level playing Alabama, but what were those few takeaways that you were able to take from Saturday night's game? I thought they performed better than what most people expected. You know, Alabama is always a tough task. You know, they, they just continually reload there. So, you know, there was some un, there was some uncertainty at their the core position. Uh, they were talking about there could be two quarterbacks playing there for them uh, this week. So that's, you know, another odd uh, case right there. So I think he's got to be prepared. They're, they have the ability to make plays, but they're not as good as – they're not the best. So I think it's – you got to be prepared, definitely. But Yeah, I think it was impressive. The I think you did see a team, which is always something you need to look for with a first-year head coach. You saw a team that I thought was bought in to what Eli Drinkowitz was trying to do Saturday night. I think you saw them compete hard to the, the final whistle. And, you know, Alabama certainly had some backups and third strings in there in the second half. But a team that played a lot better in the second half, continued to kind of keep their head down, was able to get that last touchdown, I think, on the last play of the game. The question marks are obvious. You know, the quarterback situation, Sean Robinson started on Saturday. They played Connor Bezalak a little bit too. You know, I'm guessing Sean Robinson's going to start. You know, he hasn't done a whole lot in his career, and I think that's 
you saw a quarterback on Saturday in Colin Hill at South Carolina who was very comfortable within the system, knew what to do. Tennessee didn't really get super wild with the blitzes. I think it could be the opposite this week. I think Tennessee could get real creative. You have a new quarterback in a new system. I think Tennessee really might try to get after him and, and throw him some, some odd looks on Saturday. For the rest of Missouri's offense, I think what you have to look at is Larry Roundtree is really the one one pure star guy. But what did I have out, outside? I talked to the sports editor that, earlier this week at the Maneater. He really pointed out Jalen Knox. He's a slot receiver, you know, with it looks like Sean Schamberger still being out. True freshman Danico Slaughter starting at nickel. He was the guy he pointed to to have a big game. Anyone else from Missouri's offense really stand out to you that, that Tennessee needs to, to lock in on Saturday? You know, I think the biggest thing is they got to watch the offensive line. You know, that's been a position that has struggled for uh, Mizzou in the past couple of years. So I think, you know, that's not a position you're going to catch, you know, lying down. They're not going to be sleeping. Yeah, and, you know, looking at Missouri's defense, this is obviously a different team, different pieces, but Tennessee had a lot of success throwing the ball against them last year, probably the best game of Jarrett Garantano's career. Now some new receivers for Tennessee, but – you look at Tennessee's offense trying to build a little bit of continuity. It seemed like at times Saturday night the receivers and Garantano were out of sync. This seems like an opportunity to really get things hatcheted up before you go into what's going to be perhaps the biggest three-game stretch of the year with matchups at Georgia, home against Kentucky, and home against Alabama. I think that's something you really, really have to get ironed out before that. Uh, and on defense, you know, Mizzou has a very experienced def- uh, middle linebacker. Nick Bolden, you know, he's been there a while. He, you know, he, he controls like a veteran signal caller, you know, uh, controls that defense, runs it really well. Next to him and behind him, that's going to that's gonna be the bit of uncertainty. Still trying out people there. They've seen some in, injuries there. So that's uh, definitely be some – see if they can find some consistency in the back. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think Alabama ran – Damian Harris ran the ball really well Saturday. I think that's where – Missouri might be able to take away what Tennessee does well a little bit. They have some solid D tackles. You mentioned Nick Bolton. He's an all-SEC level player. Like you said, behind him, safety at cornerback. He's going to start a true freshman. Had another guy get injured on Saturday. It's kind of unclear whether he'll play. So the opportunities for Tennessee to really exploit Missouri's defense seem to be in the passing game. I think it'll be interesting to see what Jim Chaney's game plan coming out the gates is. He really tries to establish the run. We'll have our full keys and picks on Friday, Ryan. But, again, I'll ask for one, one ahead of time. What's one key for Tennessee on Saturday afternoon? I think it's, again, you've, you know, I said it last week on Friday, but I think it's, again, they've got to solidify the offensive line and eliminate mistakes behind there. You know, again, the overthrows were almost lost the game for Tennessee because it was kind of close there early on. You know, momentum can be a multiplier there. So, you know, they got to get, you know, get – those overthrows are on control, you know, create some more consistency in the back there. Yeah, I'm going to go with kind of the almost the same thing with a different tone to it. I think it's all about the consistency. I think especially on offense, consistency through one drive to another. I think that's what you saw too much of Tennessee Saturday. Look excellent on some drives, bang, 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 touchdown, and some drives shooting themselves in the foot, can't get anything going. I think Tennessee needs more consistency on that side of the ball, and I think they need – to show that they can put Missouri away, really separate rate themselves. Not necessarily saying they need to win this game by 24 points or even 
covered a 13-and-a-half point spread. But I don't think you want this game to be like last week and so many of the games down the stretch last season where it's a one-possession game late in the fourth quarter. Missouri's going to have a chance to get the ball and drive down the field to tie or win. I think you need to see Tennessee put, you know, their their foot to, can, to Missouri's throat pervert throw it a little bit and put them away. And we'll see if they can do that. We'll see if they can have that killer instinct. That's been something they've been missing a little bit. But to me, more than anything, it just goes to the consistency that they have to show. That's going to do it for this edition of the Checkerboard Chat. We will have full coverage of Tennessee's home opener against Missouri this Saturday, as well as coverage from Tennessee's soccer's road trip to Athens, Georgia, Friday night is they get a big win on last Sunday over Vanderbilt, one to nothing. They are now one and one on the season, and they have another tough top 10 matchup Friday night in Athens. It'll be interesting to follow. We'll have full coverage of that at utdailybeacon.com. Thanks for joining us. Have a good rest of your day, everybody.